Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 47, Which Bible Translation? So which one is the most accurate? What about the missing words, missing verses in some translations? Are you a KJV only? What about the people who say, look, I just don't understand these old words and the dry stories and so on. What is the best Bible translation? Well, frankly, it depends on your purpose. For casual use or for a brand new believer who's just trying to get into the Bible for the first time, you know, the things you should look at first is who made the Bible, who authorized that translation, because they might have an obvious agenda to twist scripture. For instance, the queer Bible, the black Bible, the feminist Bible, etc. They have a political viewpoint, so they are going to twist verses on purpose to show their political viewpoint. Just Google if it was translated from the original Greek or Hebrew. If it wasn't, then you cannot avoid translation errors. And here's why. Think of it this way. Copies of copies of another language are simply like playing the telephone game with three or four people. Most of the time, you'll get the gist of it. The main stuff will come through, but you cannot avoid errors. So make sure to choose a Bible translation that is translated from the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, not Latin, not translated from another English version or some other modern day language. As long as you keep that in mind, like, you know, what is the agenda of the person who translated the Bible and what was it translated from another copy of a copy or from the original languages? then those criteria should help keep the message accurate enough that you can share the knowledge of Jesus Christ, read the Bible, accept him as Savior, and learn about God and his goals for your life. That's pretty much it for, for a believer when you pick a Bible. Now, if you want to get deeper into it for personal study, to understand doctrines of the Bible and to memorize scripture, you know how the Bible says, hide God's word in your heart. Well, to get more accurate word-for-word translations, not just ideas or, you know, the translator's intent, then it becomes important to get a translation that does not leave out certain verses or words. Keep in mind that spiritual warfare requires the use of God's word in an accurate manner. Remember the serpent in the garden when he said to Eve, did God really say? You know, he makes it easy to question when you don't know what God really said. So remember how he got Eve to add, we can't eat it and we can't even touch it. So he got her to question what God said and then add things to the word. So Satan misuses and twists God's word all the time. Remember when he tempted Jesus in the desert in Matthew 4, 6, he said, And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan clearly used the Bible. He was quoting from Psalm 91. He was taking it out of context to twist what God had said, and he added words to subtly deceive you about God's intent. So he added, in Matthew 4, 6, the words, lest at any time Satan deliberately added words to do what I just stated. Psalm 91 does not have that lest at any time. It makes a big difference in whether or not God will allow you to ever get hurt. So it changes everything when you slip in a few extra words here and there. And that's what a lot of Bible translations do.
yet another purpose of searching for the right Bible translation would be for a really deep study in a particular passage to try and figure out what God's intent was, especially for your life. So you're trying to find out God's intent, not a particular translator's view on something. So when you go to choose a Bible translation for that deep theological purpose, then it's always best to use the original language to avoid the complications of mistranslating something. That means Hebrew Old Testament and Koine Greek New Testament. Now, if you don't have a computer, easy way to go about this study is Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. It has every word of the Bible like a dictionary, and it gives you the verses that it's found in. And it's broken up into two parts. The first part is every word that's in the Bible. The second part is the original Greek or Hebrew. For instance, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You would say, look up the word beginning in this Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and it would tell you Genesis 1.1, the Hebrew word is Rashith, and the Strong's number for that word is H7218. So then you go to the back of the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and you look for H7218, and it's alphanumeric. And when you find it, it tells you that that word beginning used in Genesis 1.1 means the first in place, time, order, or rank, specifically a first fruit, i.e. beginning. If you don't have a computer, if you like holding a book in your hands, get a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and look up the original Greek or Hebrew words. That's the best way to go about it. Now, with a computer, you can Google it or, or go to e-sword.net and download their software that has all that stuff on it. It's really easy to use. You just click on the word and it tells you what it was in the original. So it's really cool. Then we've got to look at, well, okay, which ancient texts are you using? Which original documents are you using? Well, how accurate is the English Bible that we have today compared to other ancient texts? According to scholars, the New Testament has a 99.5% purity rate in terms of accuracy. That is a better accuracy rate than any other book. When compared to other works of antiquity, the Bible has so many more manuscripts to prove its accuracy over time. It's insane. Some things to consider when you're talking about the science of literary terminology and the validity of ancient documents, okay? Autographs are the original physical writings of the document by the author. Manuscripts are copies of those, and they're usually considered as first-class category of a witness. Then you have primary source writings that come directly from the event, from people who saw it or participated in it. Then we have secondary sources that are written further away in time from the event, and they come from second-hand information. Literary works are the least reliable, and they're usually considered primary sources if they're written within a century of the event. The closer the writing is to the event, the more reliable the writing becomes. And of course, the more manuscripts you have, even with errors, the better chance you have of reconstructing the original autograph. So that kind of breaks it down, makes it simple. The closer you can get to the original author, the more likely it is that it's accurate. Okay, that's pretty much how you sum it up. So how does the Bible compare to other ancient literature? Well, look at uh, the discipline of philosophy. Aristotle, 
If you don't know who he is, please Google it. All right. We have over a thousand manuscripts from Aristotle to document the things that he wrote 1,200 years after he wrote them. And we consider those accurate. So a thousand manuscripts, 1,200 years later. Now, if you look at history, for instance, we have uh, Caesar's firsthand account of the Gaelic Wars. We have 251 manuscripts dated 900 years from when he wrote that. So copies 900 years later, only 251, not near as much as Aristotle's thousand manuscripts that we can accurately reconstruct the original, right? Well, then we have Homer's Iliad, the history of the Trojan War. Now, this one is by far one of the best uh, documented historical manuscripts. 1,757 manuscripts, only 400 years from when he originally wrote it. So those are highly accurate in the academic world. 400 years and over a over a thousand, almost 2000 manuscripts. It's insane. Now here's where it gets really interesting in the discipline of science. Lucretius wrote about Epicurean physics on the nature of the universe. He is our sole Epicurean source for the doctrine of the atomic swerve, the scientific image of atoms and their lack of color. Only two manuscripts, 1,100 years later, and he is our sole source for knowledge on Epicurean physics. That's insane. Two manuscripts, 1,100 years later. All right, so that's like the, the lowest. But in academic circles, if you can find a second manuscript that says the same thing as the first, it's considered to be as accurate as an original. So two manuscripts was all we needed for science, okay? And it's 1,100 years after he wrote them. These are copies, right? And then the one that is like the top of the list is Homer's Iliad, the history of the Tro Trojan War, 400 years after the event, because that's so close to when he actually wrote it that it's considered extremely accurate, 400 years. Now check out the Bible, the New Testament. Total number of manuscripts exceed 25 thousand 5,795 Greek manuscripts dated 30 years to a maximum of 150 years from the original writings. 7,974 manuscripts in Armenian, Coptic, Gothic, Ethiopian, Syriac, Georgian, and Slavic David dated 100 to 150 years. And over 10,000 manuscripts in the Latin Vulgate dated 300 to 350 years after the original writings. Over 25,000 documents within 30 years of the original author writing it. The Bible is way more accurate scientifically than any ancient manuscript ever documented by mankind. And keep in mind, the New Testament autographs which they are, are the original physical writings of the author, were completed and in use by the end of the first century and has surviving manuscripts and fragments dated within 25 years of the original. Now, here's how we know this stuff. 
Here's the actual technical stuff about this. The Dead Sea Scrolls, discovered in 1947, over a thousand manuscripts dated from as far back as 250 before Christ, up until 68 AD when the Romans destroyed that area. They confirm the Old Testament texts that were in use in 1947 did not err in translation all the way back from the first century. For 2,000 years, we've been using Bibles that we discovered in 1947 were accurate because we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the Masoretic text is the majority of English translations of the Old Testament, uh, which come from this text created by the group of scribes called the Masoretes. Their systematic, rigorous attention to detail and consistency provides the textual critic with the primary witness by which all other textual witnesses are measured. They are so accurate, so precise in the way that they copied texts that their attention to detail and consistency in the biblical text is unsurpassed by anything else. That's the Masoretic text. Most of the English translations of the Old Testament are from these. Now, we have the Textus Receptus, which was not a handwritten Greek Greek manuscript, but rather an early printed text of the New Testament published by Erasmus in 1516. So that's A.D. Erasmus only had six Greek New Testament manuscripts available in his research, and today the Dead Sea Scrolls from 1,500 years before him attest to the accuracy of his work. That's the Textus Receptus. Based off of only a, a handful of documents but was proven in 1947 with the Dead Sea Scrolls to be accurate back to the first century, well, 250 BC. Then we have the majority text, also called the Ecclesiastical Text or the Byzantine Text, and it's a compilation of Greek New Testament manuscripts using a majority rules method for determining the proper reading when two manuscripts varied. So, for example, if 100 manuscripts contain one specific reading, but you find 200 manuscripts that contain a different reading. The one with 200 manuscripts is the one that's chosen because it's in the majority, right? Now, it's not scientifically accurate for these reasons. It does not account for older documents being closer to the original. It does not account for a document being copied in error and having 100 copies of it sent around the world. And it does not account for the location of documents found. For instance, an older document found in two different countries is more accurate than a newer document found in a hundred places in one country. So if I found a hundred copies of a book in America that was written this year, I would trust the older version of that book if I found only two copies of the older version in Spain and in England. Translate that to the Bible. The older copies that you find that are more spread out, if those match, they are usually considered more accurate. Does that make sense? All right. So this is the majority text. It, it ignores all of those scientific details. It's just like, hey, whoever's got the most wins. Okay. So there's almost 1,800 differences between the majority text and the Textus Receptus by Erasmus which was again verified by the Dead Sea Scrolls found in 1947 
which proves that he was more accurate for 1500 some odd years. The majority text was not used for the King James Version for these scientific reasons. The New American Standard Version, the NIV, and others have these 1800 differences because they use the majority text. For example, there's some verses, you can look at them, Google them, check them out online, the differences in translation, words left out, entire verses left out in the majority text because there's more manuscripts out of the 25,000 some odd manuscripts that don't have the verses than the ones that do. Well, the older ones have the words in them. The older ones are always in the scientific community considered to be more accurate and more true to the original. So 1 John 5, 7 through 8, John 5, verse 4, Revelation 22, verse 19, and Acts 9, 5 through 6. Those are just some of the 1800 examples of the differences. All right. And again, that explains why I use the King James. Now, the different translations, AmericanBible.org says in 2009 that the number of printed English translations and paraphrases of the Bible is about 900. You have lots of translations you can choose, right? So, for instance, the New Living Translation, the NIV, the Christian Standard, the Contemporary English Version, the King James Version, the American Standard Version, the Amplified Bible. We also have some pretty ridiculous versions, which a lot of times do not take into account the original languages at all, and it's just a bastardized version based on their political viewpoint. Here's a couple of them. The Bonics Bible, Genesis 1, it says, And Big Daddy enunciated, let there be light, y'all, and there was light. Apparently, this version just oozes racism and oppression through the whole thing. So, I wouldn't recommend the Ebonics version, right? Then you have the Queen James Bible that was published in 2012. Leviticus 20, when it talks about homosexuality, they put, If a man also lie with mankind in the temple of Molech, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. So they added, in the temple of Molech, nowhere in any of the ancient manuscripts does it say that, They added those words so that it would appear that the Old Testament God of the Bible only was putting to death homosexuals because they were worshiping Molech. Well, it doesn't say that in any of the original texts. So again, the translator's intent comes out, not God's intent in the words. Okay, So you always have to be careful of translations that are clearly using a current ideology or political bent to make that Bible. That is a twisting of scripture and it's wrong. Now we also have the new world translation, and this is what I really want you to be aware of. This is extremely dangerous because this is an example of one that subtly tries to twist your viewpoint of God without you knowing it. It was produced by the Tract Society and Watchtower Bible in the early 1950s. So that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they deliberately twisted the scriptures about the Trinity because they believe that God had a son separate from himself and that the Holy Ghost is not God or even an entity, but is the impersonal hands or force of God. So four of the five men behind this translation had no knowledge of Greek or Hebrew. 
the subtle twisting that bends your minds toward the idea that Jesus is not God and is not one with the Holy Spirit, not a trinity. And here's an example. In their version in Acts 20, 28, it says, Pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers to shepherd the congregation of God, which he purchased with the blood of his own son. It clearly lists the Holy Spirit, the congregation of God, which he purchased with the blood of his own son. Clearly three separate beings, right? Now look at the actual unadulterated version in Acts 20. 28. The original actually says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You see how subtle that is? The first one, the false translation, makes you subtly think of the Holy Spirit, God, and the Son as three separate beings. But the actual translation equates God and the Holy Spirit with the Son as being the same because it says God, which purchased with his own blood, his own blood, not his son's blood. And we know that the one whose blood was shed, who purchased us, was Jesus Christ. So we know he's referring to Jesus Christ as being God big difference when you look at a false translation versus one that's taken from the original Greek and Hebrew. So that's why it's important when you start looking into the doctrines that are in the Bible. So again, the best to use, in my opinion, for casual use or for a brand new believer is the Amplified Bible. It uses the modern words and it conveys the full intent of the original Greek and Hebrew. Okay, so let's take, for instance, John 3, verse 5. The Amplified Bible says, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, the physical is merely physical, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I have told you, you must be born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. Notice there's a lot of words in there where they explain it. Can't ever get to the kingdom of heaven. The flesh is flesh. The physical is just physical. You must be born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed. So it gives definitions of words and explains phrases in the Amplified Bible. That is my recommendation for what Bible you should get if you're a new believer. It's modern day and it makes sense. And it explains the big words. All right. It's pretty cool translation. Now, for a person to study, to understand doctrines of the Bible and to memorize God's word, the most accurate word by word, not merely the ideas or intent, is the King James Version. So that one, John 3, 5, says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, same verse that I was talking about before with Nicodemus, but in the Amplified Bible, it said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, when the actual translation says, verily, verily, I say unto you, basically means truly, truly, of a truth, I say to you. 
So it only uses the words in the original Greek and translates those as accurately as possible into English without adding additional words. And then it continues, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Amplified version said, do not be surprised that I have told you. So modern day English kind of uses additional words to explain what marvel means. So those are the two translations I would use. The Amplified Bible and the King James for more accurate. Okay. And then for deeper study and trying to find God's intent of a particular passage, I would highly recommend esword.net. That's e-sword.net. Download any of their plus Bible versions. Plus means it has Strong's numbers with the original Greek and Hebrew of each word that you can click on and see what it means in the original. The translations that have that plus on it are in Spanish, in Greek, in Hebrew, and the King James Version for English. They also have the Bible in almost every language for free download. So the esword.net is my ideal one to try and dig into the, the deeper meanings. Here's the conclusion of the whole thing. God can preserve his word with just one book if necessary. Second Kings 22. Read it. We don't need science if we truly have faith in God, but the science has proven the Bible to be accurate. So use whatever translation you want when witnessing to someone because Jesus is Jesus. It doesn't matter, okay, if, if you miss a word here or there, because most likely you're going to forget some words, right? But when studying for doctrine or deeper understanding, the original languages are always best. Again, that's why I studied Koine Greek, and I regularly refer to the original words when I talk to you guys. Using the Textus Receptus documents because they've been verified by the Dead Sea Scrolls to be the most accurate based on date location, language, and number of ancient documents combined. That's why I quote from the King James most of the time. So there you have it. Until next time, may God bless you.